G'day and welcome to Property Australia's favourite obsession. My name's Jeremy Cowan and this is another Quick Hits episode. I'll be back next week with a full episode where I get to share the most amazing conversation with Rhiannon Evans, the Empress of Rome. See, Rhiannon is an Associate Professor at La Trobe University and an expert on all things ancient Rome. And our conversation centres around how the Roman Empire was influenced by our five drivers of property. So we explore how infrastructure, population, government-granted licences, credit and technology impacted and shaped the mighty Roman Empire. It's a wonderful tale and a great example of how much we can learn from history. So make sure you join me next week. But today, we're a little bit closer to home, back on practical ground, and we're going to be talking about how, as a landlord, we can maximise our rental income, and who better to do this with than property manager and part-time YouTube sensation, Braden Kidd from Ashby Partners. G'day, how you doing there? G'day, g'day. I couldn't be happier to be back. Well, it's a lot's happened since last time we spoke, hasn't it? Has about you uh, give us a quick little rundown on what's been going on in the rental market around Australia? I think the rental market nationally is just about as tight as it's ever been. Um, so the national vacancy rate is at 1.9%. Um, you, you'll find that uh, all the major capitals that aren't on the eastern seaboard um, are less than a percent in vacancy. So the tightest, tightest rental markets you can physically see. Uh, whereas uh, like the cities that we hit a little bit more from a COVID perspective, but also that have been seeing massive ramp ups in development over the last few years, such as Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne particularly has crept up quite considerably uh, by up about 3% on the same period the year before. Uh, and Sydney's been sitting pretty pretty steady, I guess, at 3%, but that's still quite high when you take into consideration the other the other figures, but your Perth, your Adelaide, your Hobart, your Canberra, your Darwin, they're all all very, very tight markets. And you've actually seen an increase of yield in those areas as well. On say so sub ones is what we're talking about there, isn't it? And uh, Yeah, Hobart. which is just unheard of in any capital city. So it's absolutely brilliant, which I guess a massive reprieve for Perth. I know they've had a bit of a checkered history over the last decade, but yep. um, at 0.7 of a percent at the moment, it's just unreal. And as you said, it's interesting to um, you know think about that from a perspective. It's not just a COVID-related thing, but you know got a lot to do with where the development activity has occurred and the oversupply and undersupply that's uh, occurred throughout Australia. Well, that's right, and everything runs in cycles as well. But you can deep, uh, sorry, dive, dive a level deeper as well, and it has a lot to do with housing affordability. Mm. So, like I know Sydney and Melbourne, for the average income earner owning a house in the inner city is not really attainable. So it is very reliant on rental stock. And that's generally what the builders will build because they sell, they rent. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to owner rock as well, uh, like just the shift in what's being offered um, plays plays pretty massively into, into these figures that we're seeing as well. So let's roll that idea and that thought process because we want to talk about how as a landlord we can maximise the rent. And I wanted to break this conversation up into two parts, uh, Braden. The first part about what we can do before we actually purchase something when we're actually thinking about and evaluating a particular property um, or style of property that we might buy. And then also what can we do once we actually have a property, an established property that we own, what can we do to make that more attractive and increase the rent? So let's start by going back before we've purchased something, we've got an open uh, you know, blank piece of paper and we're thinking about we want to buy an investment property. What are some of the things we can think about and make sure we can tick off uh, to maximise our rent? Well, first and foremost, I guess you'd have a really good deep think about property type. 
and is it appropriate to the demographic that's going to be living in that particular suburb? Yeah. Um, so would you buy a unit in a housing estate? Probably not. You probably won't see very good returns on that, will you? Mm. Um, your vacancy would be higher. Um, your, your tenant selection would be very limited because it'd be predominantly a family area. So th- thinking about property type and it's you know whether or not it's appropriate for the area that you're looking in um, would be step number one. Yes. Step number two when you're buying a new place as well, uh, and I've seen thousand different examples of exactly this is livability of the layout. Does it flow? Is it weird? Yeah. Um, you want it kind of palatable to the average person. So. I can't you know, quite like understand a- what happens there, Braden. What you know, what goes through people's minds that they buy properties with you know poor layouts, you know, wasted space or higgledy piggledy warrens and stuff. I, you know, if you if it doesn't make sense to you when you walk through and you wouldn't want to live there yourself, why do they think that you know a renter would be happy to 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 live in a place like that? Exactly right. So look, uh, the. the- the more common one will be from brand new developments. Um, like they've obviously got a certain amount of space they need to fill up on a floor plate. Mm. So they've got to fill in different spots from an economical point of view, like different kind of services, columns, so like plumbing and so forth will limit to where they can actually put spaces within a unit. And then they just generally have leftover space. So what do you do with it? Um, someone will inevitably end up buying it and someone will inevitably end up renting it. But um, it's the ones with the wasted space where they just kind of couldn't quite maneuver something into place effectively. So the most common one I'd see in units would be like two bedroom, two bathroom unit Yep, as, as common as they come, but you might have the bathroom at the front door and then the two bedrooms at yeah, the other okay. end. So yeah, the main bedroom has an ensuite, but the second bedroom, if that's being utilized as a proper second bedroom with two people sharing, for example, they need to traipse through the lounge room, then the kitchen just to go and have a shower and then traipse back to their room. It's from a livability standpoint, it's such a subtlety, but it's just not not ideal. Um, so you'll find if you, you get something where all the services that you need to kind of have at the place are kind of close to to where you're doing your main living, um, they're going to fill up first. They're going to get a premium. Um, but with houses in that same breath as well, when you're buying that have weird layouts, you'll find like a lot of a lot of bitses. Yeah. So where bits have just been tacked on here and there just to create extra space without a lot of forethought. Um, or, you know, you might have a very eccentric former owner that did all the work themselves and, um, you know, pr- probably made it to their taste and their taste is uh, not, the same as, not the same as the average person's. We love the DIYs, don't we? And that uh, whole sure. four plan, especially as you said off the plan, I mean, it, I get that can be... Um, you know, some people really struggle with that, looking at the lines on a piece of paper and not being able to walk through. And that's one thing I've got to say that, um, you know, Omar Mojali, you know, I've learned a lot from him with regards to, you know, looking at floor plans, et cetera. And he is a superstar at that sort of stuff. I found um, off the plans, picking up where the dead space is, where the walk flows are, where what's not going to work, where things will work. So there is a little bit of an art to it, a bit of subtlety and certainly a place that, uh, you know, you definitely should get some advice. Well, actually, without giving Omar too much of a plug, I've done a lot of work with him back when I was in Brisbane. And he's the only person that I've found that picked up on this uh, particular issue uh, where a developer had, like, they'd bought a property off the plan. Um, There was opening windows on the plan in the second bedroom. Yep. And the developer, without notice, had changed the plans just to be a bricked-in window uh, with a louver going to the to the living room so there's no oh, right. fresh air coming through he was the only one that picked up on that and, and cancelled the contract <laughs> yeah so look it's, yeah, it's just well. ha- having someone to or, or being very 
like having a close eagle eye to to the plans and any updates or amendments that are made as they come through and, and actually picking up on this sort of stuff is in, very important because you know something like that for that particular property as well it affected the rent by about 30 or 40 bucks a week yeah yeah which, which is just enormous really when you're talking about a five six hundred dollar a week property absolutely and then on the flip side of that when you come to uh, to sell it when someone can actually walk through and see what's going on there they're they're not going to pay a premium for it are they well no no matter how big that second bedroom was that people always go well it's you know no opening window it's just a study really e- even though on the plans and it's registered as a proper bedroom and mm. like it meets the um, like the habitability code, but um, but people will just automatically put their mind to, no, nope, it's a study. Yeah. Okay, so we've got um, making sure we tick off our demographics, making sure we've got, um, you know, good quality solid floor plans that uh, the tenant's going to like. What else have we got? Um, the local amenities are a big one. Uh, and again, that comes down to demographics as well. Um, what are those people after? How close are you to that? So CBD, close to public transport. Um, employment hubs, so you're close to shopping. Can you walk? Can you not walk? Parking will kind of tie into that as well. Um, you know, if you're in the suburbs, the average household has two cars. Do you have two off-street parking spaces? Yeah. In the city, you know, the average household will only have one car, so that's all that's really required. Um but, but uh, yeah, you'd be being convenient to places where you don't need to drive, I guess, would be be a big key point and a big selling point as well. What about the idea of uh, a property without parking? Uh, would you completely discount something along those lines? Uh, uh, we've just settled on a building at the moment where I'd say 30% of the one-bedroom units in that building don't have car parking, mm-hmm. but the building's right above the bus interchange. Yeah. So... Probably not a problem there. If it was a unit um, that didn't have good public transport close by, um, I would pretty much discount it straight away. Yeah. Um, because the difference in, well, I'm sorry, it lim- limits the person, like the, the amount of people that are going to be looking at the place, number one. Yeah. Because most people in Australia drive, uh, particularly in Canberra, like the public transport isn't too crash hot. Um, but I think that's that's a very similar. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm an Adelaide. Yeah, I'm an Adelaide boy, and I was listening to something this morning. They said that um, public transport uh, in Adelaide's down about 35 percent um, from yeah. what it was a year ago because of uh, obviously the COVID issue. But look, people like the comfort of their own car as well. So yeah, and most people do have that. Like not everyone, so it's not not going to be a massive, massive issue. You'll still find a tenant for every property. But like again, it's going to affect the rentability, probably increased vacancy, unless it's like super appropriate to the area that it is. As you said, though, having a transportation hub, you know, underneath or right at the front door, um, you know, can mitigate that. So uh, yeah, that makes absolute sense. Exactly right. And then the only other thing I would say when buying would be looking for things like views, um, like the internal amenities as well, like, uh, you know, gyms, pools, um, that sort of stuff. Like I know if you're buying an Estrada complex, that will kind of boost up your body corporate levies, which is something you'd really need to take into consideration. Yep. Uh, and again, would you get more dollars a week, maybe a couple? Um but it would really come down to more increasing the rentability of the property. Yeah. I was saying the desirability of uh, of those who uh, want to be a part of it. Exactly. So I've got to ask you one question. I should have asked when we um, talking uh, floor layouts and stuff. What about um, that whole European um, idea of uh, kitchen? Uh, sorry, laundries in kitchens um, within units, and even you know, there's a you hear that talk around about some of the new apartments in the city apartments not actually having kitchens themselves. 
Um, kitchen's a necessity, I feel, uh, for the average person, unless you're doing like short term yep. um, or, or service service department letting. Uh, but if you're talking long term, uh, it's, you know, you, you're really signing tenants on for 12 months at a time. The average person is going to want a kitchen facility and a laundry facility. It's, um, a, lot of Uber, laundries. it's a lot of Uber Eats over 12 months, isn't it? Well, that, that is, <laughs> adds up quite <laughs> considerably. You probably buy a mansion in the city if you're, if you're eating out every night with Uber Eats. No. Uh, but the European laundries, that's become just an expectation and a staple. Um, I haven't been into a unit with a laundry room for a very, very long time. Um, yeah. I feel as though like internal to cupboards where you can still hide things away. You can still fit an ironing board, the washing machine, the dryer and close it all off so you can't, you know, it's not, not immediately visible. That's the way to go. Um, I, I find still a lot of raised eyebrows if it's just a washing machine next to the dishwasher in the kitchen. Um, I don't think we're quite quite there yet. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right. Does that sort of tick off the, uh, you know, the the, the major, the... Uh, the, the major things while you're looking to buy? Um, but there, there's also a lot of value adds you can do to a property once you have purchased as well. Well, let's go to those value adds because I mean, most people are probably going to be, um, you know, in this situation. So, what are some of the value adds that that landlords can um, to provide tenants to increase the rent and desirability of the property? The first one I will give you, which is the simplest one that anyone can do themselves, make sure it's clean. Oh, I can't could, stress that enough. Could you tell my uh, teenage son that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, think, I think that one's up to you, mate. No. <laughs> um, I've got I've got a very clear example, and I'll keep it brief. But um, I had uh, a property that I took on in November. Um, it was just a two bedroom, two bathroom unit. It was nice, but nothing special in the Canberra CBD. Um, another agency had had it vacant for four months, bearing in mind the vacancy rate in November was still less than a percent. So how do you have something vacant for four months? No one knows. Yeah. Uh, the owner was interstate, hadn't been able to travel to Canberra to check it out for obvious reasons um, and just signed it over to me. Um, I went and picked up the keys, had a look. The place was filthy. Right. Absolutely filthy. That's exactly why it had been vacant for four months where all the other units around it yep. had gone from like a higher price. That mm-hmm. was just clean. There's only a four-year-old apartment, but the last tenant apparently had absconded, left the place, didn't clean it. The agent didn't refer that information onto the owner. The owner didn't care about spending 600 bucks to do a deep clean because he'd already lost about six, seven grand in vacancy. Yeah, so, I was say, vacancies can be, can they add up pretty quick, don't they? They, they do. Like each week, you can't chase your losses with vacancy because you can't just keep adding the price up. Mm. So um, that, that would be the first one. And anyone can do that. If the place is spotless, you're going to get a decent tenant in there. Um, but so you, you, you want to present it so someone feels like they can live there, basically. So if there's cockroaches or spiders or just grime yeah. and grit just all over the place, it's, yeah, that's that's, that's, that's not really great. <laughs> but, it's not um, too appealing, is it? No, no, not really. Uh, and in that as well, um, making sure that the property is well-maintained would be quite up there. Uh, whilst like a, a full re-carpet and repaint isn't always completely necessary, um, like it does, it does make a big difference. So you walk into the property, it just feels fresh and fantastic. So I think the average paint job and the average carpet in a rental should last you anywhere between six to eight years before you look at redoing it. Um, and again, not always necessary. Different tenants come with different levels of wear and what's reasonable, what's not reasonable. Yep. Um, but that can usually add quite a fair few dollars to a rental as well. How did that take you out of curiosity there? Um, would you encourage landlords to go for hard floor coverings um, rather than softs, given that uh, the wearability and durability of them, um, you know, it's got an extended life? 
Um, yes and no. So the only question I would ask to that, and it comes down to what their insurance actually covers, you'll find that most landlords insurance policies will only cover carpets because they are interchangeable. They're super easy to replace and they're inexpensive. So if you put bamboo floating floors in, for example, they get scratched up by the tenants. It might not yeah. be covered under your provision in your landlord's insurance policy. So for extra dollars a week, tenants will pay for more for, for tiles and timber. We see that for like for like product, for yep. example, if you're buying off the plan and you can upgrade your your inclusions, the property with timber floors will get like an extra 10, 20 bucks a week and rent straight away than the than the property with carpets. Um, but just knowing if you're covered or not would be the question if yeah. there was like malicious damage done to it. Um, but definitely if you had a low-wear tenant and nothing went wrong and you didn't need insurance, then I, I would I would go for hard floor coverings any day of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, the other thing that I would say adds in less vacancy and more dollars a week would be air conditioning, um, making sure the air conditioning is power enough, powerful enough if you don't have ducted to do the bedrooms as well, to do the actual cubic meterage of the place you've got. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone has become very precious in recent years and it's now just, just an expectation. So nearly every tenant, not even every second tenant, but nearly every tenant that would come through a property requests some degree of cooling and heating. Yeah, yeah. Um, other things you can look at doing, uh, which look it adds a little bit, um, and again increases the rentability of the place, would be along the lines of solar panels and water efficiency measures. Uh, like a lot of people are coming quite conscious of, I guess, the impact that they have, um, but also, I mean, saving money is always nice as well. And most people are pretty conditioned to add that into what their rent expenditure would be versus the concessions they might get from utilities as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Pet-friendly places, a lot of places, uh, or sorry, a lot of states and territories in Australia are kind of lifting restrictions on what you're allowed to say and what you aren't allowed to say when it comes to pets. Um, but traditionally speaking, you usually get a few extra dollars a week uh, for allowing pets because it is such a limited, uh, well, it has been in recent times, a, a limited portion of the market. Yep. Um, but you'll find those people usually stay for longer as well because it is so hard to find a place that will accommodate their, their furry friend. I've got a, um, a friend of mine who actually, um, her, her um, property strategy, she buys penthouse apartments essentially um, and has them pet friendly and consequently charges quite a premium for that um, and has you know some terms and conditions, et cetera, with regards to um, uh, maintenance and, and wear and tear, et cetera. But uh, she's found that's a great little niche that there's not a lot of you know really high-end apartments that um, are pet friendly. Yeah, well, that's right. Um, I think, well, here anyway in Canberra, there's never been any such thing as an enforceable no-pet policy for a strata complex. Um, like individual ownerships, different story, but from the actual executive committee as a whole. Um, so I believe even though it's written to every single bylaw, if you challenge those, they don't hold up. Yeah, okay. Um, but knowing what you're saying, that that is definitely right because like a lot of apartment dwellers do have small dogs. They do have small cats that are appropriate for the property. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, uh, opening up a place where they can actually live, you'll get someone good in there that's happy to pay market rent. That's um, that, that will stay for quite some time. What about things like dishwashers, washing machines, dryers, that sort of stuff? Um, dryers are a requirement if there isn't a place to dry your clothes, such as a clothesline. Um, so in apartments or townhouses, for example, 
it's very much an expectation. You need to provide that facility for a tenant. So if you don't have a clothesline that you're allowed to use, you need to have a dryer. Yeah. Um, dishwashers, again, we don't deal with a lot of older places, but every single new place that comes up has a dishwasher. So that's what you're competing with. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have that, then, you know, you can expect the tenants to be looking elsewhere first. But again, you just got to remember that people have become quite expectant and precious with the inclusions for a property that they're paying good money for. Um, so you'd want to have those things. So yeah, dishwasher, uh, dryer, I wouldn't worry with washing machines. Most people have their own, um, like mi minimizing the layers of things that can go wrong whilst yeah. meeting the tenant expectations is what my strategy would be. Yeah. So if you don't need to have something, I wouldn't put a fridge or a washing machine in. I wouldn't furnish a property personally. Um, but having the basic inclusions that are an expectation. What about things then, you know, as you said, we've become pretty precious um, with our expectations with, you know, air conditioning and dishwashers and the like. Um, what about just simple things like uh, adequate PowerPoints and and being able to get um, satellite TV in and that sort of stuff? Um, satellite TV, not so much, but adequate PowerPoints and actually being able to use different walls of a room, a uh, big, big draw card. Um, without going overboard, I walked into a property once that was a brand new apartment where the owner had done like quad PowerPoints on every single wall. Yep. And that bit of an eyesore. Uh, probably wouldn't have done it personally. But uh, no, look, it does make a big difference um, getting people to, to walk in. They're going to see where they can set things up and how it's going to work with their furniture. And everyone's got different furniture. And different tastes. Um, so knowing how, yeah, all, all that puts in together. Um, Free-to-air TV, that's a bit of a grey area, but having those provisions there, an uh, antenna that's... Uh, you know, good enough to pick up the digital signal now is is very important. So you find that like a lot of older places still need upgrading, even though we've been on digital for what, a decade now? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, there's still plenty of analog aerials out there. Um, but most most people go to, to web TV, you know, particularly in my age demographic. Yeah. Um, so I don't think I've watched free to wear for about a year now. Um, oh, and that's only going to get bigger and bigger, isn't it? I think my well, mum's even starting to watch that stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's just easy. It's convenient. And having, again, like it's the expectations of having everything at your fingertips now in modern society. So um, look, having said that, then having a strong internet connection and, and paying for MBN to be connected to your property, if it isn't already, uh, is virtually a must. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, but adding storage space, particularly linen storage, would be a big thing that you can value add to. Um, the quality of the inclusions. So instead of going out and buying one of those dodgy, if you're doing a kitchen reno, like uh, the solid element cooktops, yep. um, you know, by buying something nice or upgrading the power to induction or gas or something along those lines makes a big, big difference. And it gives the property a bit of a higher end feel to it. So even if you're cheaping out on, you know, like your cabinetry and bench tops and so forth, if you do like nice tapware, um, it just really lifts the general feel and quality of the place as well. Yeah. I was say it's really all about um, uh, the livability and, and amenities, isn't it? That's what we're really coming down to. Yeah, well, that's right. And and I guess how it presents to the eye as well. So keep things neutral. Don't add too much colour. The tenants will do that. The tenants will put their own artwork up. The tenants will have their own colour in their, you know, like through, through plants and through their furnishings and so forth. So if you keep your rental property plain but nice and good quality, clean, um, you're going to be doing better than a lot of other people. What about security? Uh, hasn't played too much of a problem. And look, the average tenant that we have in Canberra, you'd think that'd be very security conscious. Um, 
but we only find it's really the embassy or international diplomats um, that really requires like uh, like security systems, for example, and security screens. Yeah. Um, I know in other demographics and other areas, security screens at a bare minimum are a must, um, but it's not from what I have observed, like the be all or end all of a property. So long as they've got fly screens, most people are pretty happy. Um, but yes, it's a security. I wouldn't be spending a lot and a lot of money on that um, because it's only such a small portion of the average tenant pool that would have that as a as a requirement or a must and you wouldn't be getting too much a week more for that. So from a physical point of view of our uh, property, is there anything else that you would um, uh, consider as a value add? Um, if it's a house, or a townhouse, so notwithstanding units, but a house or a townhouse, if the yard is low maintenance, so garden beds are mulched with weed mat and, you know, the lawn is just nice, uh, like a good low maintenance garden adds a lot of dollars to your place. So if the grass is in really good condition and the garden beds are yet mulched and low maintenance, um, people will think that it's a very, very high end place. Yeah, okay. Even if it's not. But if you put a little bit of work in the landscaping, it's the first thing people see. It's the first thing they emotionally invest with. It's all about the curb appeal. Um, you, you'll find they'll spend a lot more money on a place that looks nice from the moment they step in the front, like step, step through the front gate. Which is really interesting because the first point you made was make sure it's clean. Yep. And we got, you know, clean and landscaping and it's all about, you know, that emotional connection, isn't it? Not so much the um, the bibs and the bobs within the place, but it's Even about... Even if it's old, they'll, they'll walk in, they'll see a nice garden, they'll see how clean it is. I think it's the best place in the world. Like I, when I'm looking for places to rent, 100%, that's what I look for. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right. So anything else that you'd like to add? No, I think that's, um, if you tick those boxes, uh, you don't overcapitalize in unnecessary areas like having quality marble tiles in like a yeah. run of a one-bedroom apartment. Like a lot, I, see, I see a lot of interesting things. Um, but if you keep things neutral, you don't overcapitalize on unnecessary inclusions. Um, I, I think that you're going to be doing quite well. And I guess the point is here that um, we're not saying that every uh, landlord should go and, you know, uh, put new timber floors in and update the kitchens and repaint and put on solar panels and et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, we're saying, you know, pick and choose what's appropriate for the property um, and certainly don't, um, you know, spend or overcapitalise, you know, more than you need to. Yep, that's ex- exactly right. So I wanted to add um, one other to you and, and that is with regards to something that, you know, we see a lot with people almost becoming sentimental with their tenants and not changing the market rent for many, many years, that that in itself can have, I mean, it's it's great, you know, if you can hold a tenant in a, in a rental property uh, for an extended period of time, then obviously, you know, you don't have vacancies, you don't have reletting fees, you don't have cleaning fees, you know, you'll have some maintenance, but maybe some of that maintenance, longer term maintenance might, um, might be pushed out. Um, so it's, you know, very beneficial to have a long term tenant, but um, at the same point, it is important to you know continue to charge them at a you know market rent or close to market rent, isn't it? Oh, without a doubt, you're not doing yourself any favors if you don't keep up with times. Like your outgoings, your council rates, uh, like body corporate levies, insurances—they're always increasing. So if your outgoings are increasing and you're not increasing the rent to to help cover those, you're not doing yourself any favors at all. And most tenants, you know, understand this, um, and most states will before long, like I know ACT has already introduced them, um, you know, like set 
a cap on what you can actually increase the rent by, which will have a lot of eyebrows raised. But like we're here, you're only allowed to increase the rent from like a fixed term to a fixed term tenancy if it's the same tenant once in a 12 month period and not more than the rate of inflation. So CPI increases basically. And if, if you're not doing those and you have the tenant in there for five years, the, the rental market might have jumped about, you know, 15%. Uh, your increaseability would have only jumped by 6%, but even then you're still well and truly behind the eight ball. Yeah. Yeah. So what about screening of tenants as well? I mean, you know, from from my um, experience, the better you can screen tenants um, and minimise damage, wear, tear, that sort of stuff, um, you know, that can have a huge impact as well on the amount of maintenance that needs to occur and obviously the, 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 the timeliness of handover between tenants, uh, et cetera. Well, very, very true. Um, so if you're talking from a vacancy prevention standpoint, the better the tenant, the better things and a lot more smoothly things are going to run. Um, if you're talking about a value add, the worse the tenant, the more they'll pay. So <laughs> there's a little bit of like a double-edged sword there. Um, you know, you'll find people will pay more if they need to be given a chance. Yep. Um, if that makes sense. Yes. So like, let's just say the bikers might pay a thousand bucks a week for a 500 buck a week property, but you're not allowed to do routine inspections, for example. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. Th- th- things like that. But like the better quality tenant you have, lower the maintenance, um, the more the property is going to be looked after. So your expenditure in the place on an annual basis in theory would be lower. Um, but also yeah, you change over time as well between tenancies. If you have a good tenant that looks after the place, you can change them over in two days. Um, if you had like a heavy wear tenant that, you know, you might need to do some work to then go through like civil tribunal to claw money back um, and bring it up to a reasonable stretch, you could be vacant two or three weeks between tenancies. So definitely a consideration to make. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Braden? I think that covers it off perfectly. Thanks, Jeremy. I reckon we've covered a fair bit, a lot more, a little bit longer episode uh, today, but I reckon that's been a really good one. Hopefully get some uh, some landlords out there thinking about um, what they uh, what they can do. So if anyone has got any questions or want to uh, ask you anything, um, Braden, how's the best way to um, to get in contact with you? Jump online to ashbypartners.com.au. Uh, all our details are on there. You're more than welcome to, to reach out, but also hit us up on our Facebook page, which is at Ashby Partners. It's great having you with you. It's always good fun talking, and I'll definitely have you back to uh, to have another discussion later on. Um, let's wrap it up there. I reckon, as I said, it's been a little bit longer. Um, I've been really, uh, really pleased talking with you. Of course, we'd love to help you on your property journey, so feel free to get in contact with us with your questions or queries as well. And don't forget to like, subscribe, or leave us a review for rating for Property Australia's favourite obsession. I've been your host, Jeremy Cannon, and until next time, Braden. Let's keep obsessing about property. Lovely. See you later. Cheers. Any opinions or recommendations expressed should be considered general in nature, as they do not consider your personal objectives or financial circumstances. History and past performance do not guarantee future performance. Jeremy Cowan and Cowan and Flack Proprietary Limited are authorised representatives of PGW Financial Services, Proprietary Limited, AFSL 384713.